So, Brian, come on up here. Share with us what God's doing in Chi Alpha. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, church. It's beautiful to be with you this morning. And I want to start by just saying thank you for partnering with us. I have never shared with this church before. So you just said, there's a Chi Alpha at Green Bay. Let's give them money. Uh, thank you. Because you make it possible for us to do the work that we do. Let me start by introducing my family. My wife wanted to be with us this morning, but she wasn't feeling super well. And, and my kids did not want to get up at 6 in the morning to drive. So, uh, full disclosure. But this is my wife, Angie, and she does the ministry alongside me. She is uh, actually working towards getting her ordination as a minister, um, going through DSOM. And uh, she does a lot of the preaching for our ministry and mentoring the young women within Chi Alpha. And then my daughter, Ellie, she is... Uh, 15 years old, and my son Jaron is 14. My son Jaron is now taller than my wife is. Now, some of you are like, come on, missionary, get an updated photo. That is updated. We took that two weeks ago. No, no, I'm kidding. I do have an updated photo. This is the updated one. Look at the legs on that kid. And he's sitting down, if you can't tell. Within our ministry, I really love acronyms. I saw that you had something called SWAP for senior citizens. and I, Seniors with a purpose. I guessed that. So I said, yep, that's what it is. I love acronyms. I make them up all the time. My wife tells me that I have to run them by her first because some of the ones I come up with are really awful. But one of the ones that we did come up with that we use within our ministry is live by the list. And the list stands for this. L stands for love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything that we do hinges on that. That we love people well. The next thing is invite. And that is to invite people to live life with you. That does not mean that you just invite them to a Sunday morning service or just a Wednesday night service to be a part of a group. It's life together. If you're going to have a meal eat with someone. If you're going to go home on the weekend to have your mom do your laundry, take someone with you. If you're going to study, don't study alone. If you don't have to do it alone, don't, because we were created for community. And so we invite people to live life with us. And as they live life with us, if we are people that are abiding in Jesus and spending time with him, it's going to come up in our conversations because you talk about what you love. And so students get to hear about Jesus as they just spend time with us. S is to serve. I'm sorry, can you go back to the other slide? She's jumping ahead of me there. S is to serve. Serve the campus. That is... What Jesus came to do, he came from heaven and he served those. He washed people's feet. Now, we're not washing each other's feet, but if there's a need on our campus, we want to meet it. In fact, my desire is, is that if we are ever removed from campus and, and, and church, that will happen one day where the government will crack down and, and campus ministries have been kicked off. That will come one day. And when that does, I want the administration of our school and the student body to say, man, it really stinks that Kyle is not here because they served us so well. And then finally, transform, and that is to transform the world through missions. See, we teach our students that every student should give to missions. Every student should go on missions. In fact, we have some students that are traveling right now back from Texas where they went to go help in areas that were hit by hurricanes. They're on their way back right now. We believe in sending students on missions. Every student prays for missionaries. And every student welcomes international students because we have international students coming from all over the world to our campuses, and we want to welcome them. We transform the world through missions. 
I want to start off with just doing a little quiz with you guys actually here so you understand why I do what I do. So if you go through those four blocks again here, these four agnostic nations in, and these countries are the largest atheist agnostic nations in the world. So if you were to guess, what do you think is the number one largest by population atheist agnostic nation in the world? What do you think it is? China. Someone said China. Absolutely right. As a matter of fact, if anyone ever says to you, hey, what's the largest country of anything? Say China. Because chances are you're going to be right. They're, they probably have the largest Christian population in the world right now, too, because the church is growing like crazy underground in China. How about the second, third, and fourth ones? What do you think? Someone say Russia. Russia is actually third. United States is not is is actually the second largest atheist agnostic nation in the world, and then Russia is third, and then Germany is fourth. Let me explain to you why I share this. You see, we are the second largest. Only China has more people than we do that says there is no God or I don't know. How did that happen? And a nation that literally has a church on every corner. A nation that was founded on godly principles, Judeo-Christian rule and law and morals. How did we get here? And I believe what has happened is that a lot of people that are raised within the church even, young people, when they go off to our secular university, 77% of them walk away from the faith and never go to church again. So even the people we're raising in the faith, 8 out of 10 of them stop serving God. And they go off to these universities where professors tell them, there is no God. Hey, whatever your parents taught you, whatever your pastors taught you, I want you to leave at the door. I'm going to tell you what truth is. And that is that there is no God. And those students don't know how to defend their faith, so they say, oh, okay, that makes sense. My professors got to know more than my parents do. And then they walk away. One particular student that I'll share with you about is named Alex. Alex was a student that when we first met him, he came to this event that we do called Something in a Mug, where you can get, uh, we have hundreds of mugs that you can pick up and go to these drinking stations. He was one that showed up at that. And then some of our students were inviting him to a sober party that we were throwing at my house. So get this, church. So my wife and I, we decided to let students throw a rager party at our house. And we got sponsors. Like, we got Red Bull to sponsor our party. I had cases of Red Bull in my house. And then we got all these restaurants to sponsor it and everything. And then I had to go to all my neighbors' doors and knock on them and say, Hey, there's going to be a rager at my house this weekend, but there's no alcohol, no drugs, anything like that. The police station is just behind my house. Went over there says, Please do not come and bust up this party it's gonna be a rage but no drugs no alcohol we're having bouncers at the door and everything and they're like okay so they have this party i put my wife and kids up in a hotel and everything while these kids throw <laughs> throw a party at our house right and they did every they were playing uh bull pong where they were playing ping pong but they had to drink red bull they were they were shotgunning red bulls i was going to put that in my newsletter pictures of that my of that my wife was like don't do that People won't know what's going on. Um, so we had one diabetic that drank way too many. It was not good. Um, so after this party, the next day, Saturday, we're, I'm sitting in my house on a Saturday night and just relaxing, and I hear a knock at the door. So I go to the door, and here's this student, Alex, standing in front of me. I'm like, oh, hey, Alex, what's up? He says, well, I'm here for the party. I'm like, oh, no, man. That was yesterday. You missed it. He's like, oh, I took an Uber here. 
I said, you know what, that's all right. Let's you and I just have a party. So I took him out to Zesty's to get some, some custard and went back to my house and I sat down and I said, Alex, tell me your story. You see, church, that's where the gospel really begins. Is listening to where people are at and hearing who they are and why they are who they are. And Alex began to share with me that he comes from a broken home. That his father was abusive, beat him all the time. In fact, in some of our meetings sometimes, and even at Spencer Lake, I would find Alex hidden in a corner crying, please no, please no, because he was constantly having flashbacks of his father beating him. Alex is a writer, and he would write these really awful stories of murder and mayhem. He was contemplating suicide. He was trying to be other things for other people and couldn't find any satisfaction in life. Those are the type of students that we encounter on our campus. I began to share with Alex my story about who I was. See, I come from a broken home too. Abusive family. Alex came to know who Jesus was. He changed my life, and I believed that he could do it for Alex. And that's why we have Chi Alpha at UW-Green Bay. Because we want to reach students like Alex. We want them to hear that there's hope. That there's a God, there's a Father in Heaven that loves them. Now, how do we reach those students? Four things. One is the first thing is, is that we protect the investment. Like I said, 77% of youth group attending teenagers when they graduate from high school stop going to church and never go again. Now, a lot of families, a lot of parents will see that and say, oh, good, that means you're there to make sure my kid keeps on going to church and serving Jesus. Understand something. I am not just a safety net. When we receive a Christian student into our ministry and we are able to disciple them and show them what it means to be a real follower of Jesus Christ, and we see them and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because we teach that it's still available today, we see them become radical disciple makers themselves. In fact, two students here, Elise and Caleb, in your church are a part of our Chi Alpha, and we have seen them discipling students themselves. They've come up in this ministry. They are leading small groups of their own and discipling people that are now discipling others as well. They're ministering to people that don't know Jesus Christ at all. Because they said, I'm going to answer that call. Why is that important? Because I'm on a campus of about 9,000 plus students. Angie and I cannot reach them by ourselves. We need labor. So we encourage students, royalties in the faith, help us reach this campus. Why? Because I am a missionary first. A lot of people call me campus pastor, but my job description is U.S. missionary. I'm a missionary to the second largest atheist agnostic nation in the world, and I want to reach the lost like the Alex's. And then finally, international students. Like I said, we have international students coming from all over the world to our campuses. Some from places that are close to the gospel. We can't get missionaries into where they are. But these countries are sending students here, one, that know how to speak English. They want to make friends, and they want to learn our culture. And right now, we live in a country where we can share about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. A few students that came through our ministry. This uh, next page here, you can see a guy, young man named Zirak. I saw Zirek at a, a s'more cooking thing that they were doing on the campus. It was really funny when I first met him. I, he was uh, cooking a marshmallow to make a s'more, but his marshmallow was on fire, and he started doing this. 
I was like, no, 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 no. And Randy O'Troy was like, don't do that. You're going to kill somebody. So I helped him put out his marshmallow and made his s'more together. I said, Zirak, where are you? I said, oh, my name is Brian. I'm with Chi Alpha. What's your name? He says, I'm Zirak. I said, Zirak, where are you from? He says, I'm from Pakistan. And I said, man, I don't know anything about Pakistan. I would love to get to know about you and about your country, about your family. Can I have coffee with you? He's like, I'd love that. The next day we're having coffee, working on Google Earth, and he's showing me where his uncle's farm is and everything, and talking about his country and how he loves it. And he says he's a Muslim. And I said to him, Zurich, I said, listen, I'm a part of a Christian group on campus that would love to invite you as an international student because we love internationals, and we want to be your family while you're away from yours. He says, oh, that sounds so great. Can I invite some other people? I'm like, uh, Yeah. In our first large group that night, he brought his friend named Saki. Saki is also from Pakistan. And Saki started coming to all of our meetings. And he had so many questions. He, one time we went to, he came to Spencer Lake with us to our fall retreat. And he came out of a worship service and he says to me, Brian, what was that? I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And I said, Saki, here's the thing is that you pray five times a day and experience nothing. Because Allah doesn't communicate with you. But I serve a God that loves you and wants a relationship with you. What you experienced was the Holy Spirit calling you to himself. I said, here's the thing, Saki. Both of us believe that there's a Jesus. But one of us believes that he was a man that, that was just a great prophet that did not die for us. That God wouldn't allow that to happen and took him up to heaven before it could and one of us believes that he is the son of God, that he took the sins of the world upon himself and died on a cross for our sins and then three days later rose again. One of us is wrong. He said, you're right. So we started meeting and talking about the difference between Muhammad and Jesus. Now, Saki hasn't given his life to the Lord in his school there. What's Kai Alpha? In fact, he went back to the country of Pakistan, and he would wear his Kai Alpha shirt and people in his school there. What's Kai Alpha? And he says, it's this Christian group that's amazing. They love me. You can't believe it. Hey, if people, if Muslims could not hate us around the world, that'd be a step in the right direction. Amen? Saki is actually back in the States in Kansas. He just sent me a voicemail last night saying he would love to connect with me again. I'm believing God is drawing him to himself. Now, when Zirak and Saki went back home, they reached out to me and said, hey, there's a young girl from Pakistan named Sajila that's coming next semester. And we told her she has to find Kai Alpha when she gets there. And she did. She got plugged in and invited her friend Arij, who was from Tunisia. And Arij started experiencing the presence of God. She started asking questions. Now, she hasn't given her life to the yet Lord either. I said that wrong. She hasn't given her life to the Lord yet. There we go. But I believe God is drawing her. And that he's going to use her to lead other Muslims. I never thought this would happen. When I went to Bible college, Pastor, I went to Trinity Bible College. And I took a course in missions for Africa. I said, Lord, I'm going to take this course. Just don't send me there. Because um, I don't know anything about Muslims. And the Lord brought them to us. I started, reading, I started contacting every missionary within our district that ministers to Muslim countries. said, help me. Help me. The only thing I know is that they're wrong. Can you help me fill in the gaps? <laughs> right? Amen? And I believe God's going to do something because these students go, listen, our responsibility as the church is, is to spread the gospel, that we scatter the seed. 
It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of sin and draw men to himself. So I'm scattering seed, and I'm believing that the Lord is going to use that in these young men and these young women's lives to come and know who he is. Amen? So I was sharing earlier about this student named Alex. I'm going to finish. We'll be showing a video in just a moment, but I want to share with you that he came, started coming to our large group meetings. And he got to hear one of our other student leaders' testimony about how God changed his life. And this is Alex's story, if you could go to that video. As I was growing up in life, I was taught that fear was everything. Fear was what drove the world around. And in that fear... The only way I could combat it was if I chose to adapt certain features on myself. If I would be liked enough, I wouldn't have to be afraid of a person. If I was different or better or just a new person, that I wouldn't have to acknowledge what was going on in my life and that I would be able to move past it with a relationship that either I wanted or I thought I needed or just be able to move on, be something, do more. As things got worse at home, things really got worse at home, I'm not going to lie. As I adopted more features into my life, I would just keep on piling them on, piling them on. It would be more and more until I was unable to see what I had changed to be for someone or what I had changed to be about myself or what I personally thought. But then Jesus came into my life when I had lost all hope. I thought that I was supposed to be the random news story that you'd hear that was tragic in that one moment, and you'd ponder about it and then move on. I thought that I was, that's all I was left to do. But... He gave me a chance. He gave me a chance when I didn't believe in myself. He taught me that, just like it is in 2 Timothy 1, 7, I believe, that I was not given a spirit of fear, but I was given one of power, of love, of self-control when I had felt nothing but hate and chaos and fear. It, it changed my life, and even now I'm ever-changing, ever-evolving, but I'm not just amassing certain features to myself. I'm finally understanding who I am and what I'm able to do with him in my life. Amen. Alex was a life that was heading towards being ended. He made it possible for me to be And church, I want you to understand that because of your giving, you made it possible for me to be there at a pivotal point in his life where he needed to experience Jesus Christ. You are responsible for him knowing who Jesus Christ is. Thank you. Alex, since that time of giving his life to the Lord, was water baptized at Spencer Lake. It was freezing cold in September. I could not feel my legs. And filled with the power of the Holy Spirit a couple weeks later, Alex was voted as the president of our student organization and is currently leading a small group alongside me and discipling men himself. If he can do it only after a year knowing Jesus, we all can. Amen? 
you are equipped. You have enough of what the Holy Spirit has given you. Your story of why does Jesus matter is all you need to reach other people. And Alex is doing that. Because we believe that disciples make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Amen? I told you guys I really love acronyms, so I'm going to end with this final one to share with you. And it's COVID. My wife said I could use this one. This is an okay one. Listen, it's Christians unto victory and discipleship. Here's why I share this. Listen, throughout history, church, whenever pandemics would hit the world, the church always grew. Why? Because when the rest of the world was scared to go into places where people are dying from pandemics and everything, the church went in and loved those people, put their lives in line. Why? Because they didn't care if they died because they knew who they hoped in. They knew there was an empty grave. There is an empty grave still. It's still empty. And that because of that empty grave, we have a hope. And so we encouraged our students, like, listen, there are going to be many that are walking on your campus that are in fear because they don't know what will happen to them when they die. But we do if they don't know who Jesus Christ is. And because you know who he is, let's walk around with joy. Let's show them that we're not scared. No, I'm not encouraging you, church, to go hug every person you meet on the street. Let's have some wisdom, but do not be afraid to share the gospel with others. Just last year, I went to visit a supporter of mine, an elderly lady named Joyce. She's like in her 80s. And I just said, I'm going to go, I'm go visit her. She supports me at $10 a month, sends a check every month. I'm going to just go visit her and bless her and thank her for giving. And when I knocked on her apartment door and she opened it, she started crying and said, I was the first person she'd seen in over a year. And I thought to myself, church, where are you? Unacceptable. And church, I want to encourage you to be Christians unto victory and discipleship yourselves. There are people within your community in this area that are still scared. We still have students on our campus. Mass mandates have been removed. Amen. I've been walking around campus like this. Like at I love smiling at people. But there are still students that are wearing masks today because of fear. And there are people in your community that are still in fear. Still people that are in isolation because of that fear. Church, go be the church. Go find them. Go welcome them. Go love them. Invite them to live life with you. And see the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Can we do that? Just one. Even just one person. A neighbor or a coworker that you know that doesn't know him. Can you invite them to a meal? Can you invite them to coffee and say, I want to hear your story and share yours? Does Jesus matter to you? If he does, share him with others. I want to thank you again, church. My wife and I, we thank you for being a part of a ministry that disciples and disciples and disciples and makes more disciples. You make that possible so that we can reach not just our campus, but all, not just the university, but also into the marketplace, those that are going to serve in the marketplace and the world through missions. Thank you for making that possible. Pastor, I'll turn it back over to you.